Uh, and then you have the Detroit Lions. Who... <laughs> <laughs> Last place. Okay. You are listening to episode 29 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they like to know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline with a hastily thrown together format. Brought to us this week by Random Retirement. I plan to retire halfway through this podcast. I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me as always is Dave Turnbull. Hey, Carlos. Uh, I would hope you didn't re- retire halfway through the podcast. I'm not sure how I would finish it on my own. I have to. My body simply cannot take the punishment uh, that comes from sitting here and drinking my drink while talking to you. And I simply cannot go through that cycle of recovery and playing, getting hurt, recovery, playing, and getting hurt. It's a lot. Well, fair enough. I guess that means, you know, Andrew Luck made the right decision then. Like he, you know, we have a lot to pursue. And I plan to go on a soul-searching mission, much like Andrew Luck. With all that said, we're going to talk about Andrew Luck's retirement, including other matters. As, par- as well as part of that in the main topic, we'll be talking about the NFC season preview, which hasn't been impacted quite as badly as our AFC season preview, which has aged badly. So with all that said, we're going to get into a couple of news and notes that we want to talk about. The first one is, thank God, thank the football gods, whatever God you believe in, we finally get to talk about everyone's favorite person, Thomas Brady. Dave, please explain why I get to make fun of Tom Brady today. Please explain. I needed this. This is what people needed. Well, I'm glad that I could provide you with a link for this story then. Uh, So it came out last week that uh, Tom Brady, who is in some circles known as Tom Terrific, and in some circles I mean by his own admonition, he gets what he calls himself. Maybe in his house. Maybe Giselle calls him Tom Terrific. You know what? I probably bet that Giselle doesn't call him Tom Terrific. He's pretty much the only one who refers, or maybe makes his kids call himself Tom Terrific. That would be worse, infinitely, but go on. Anyway, uh, so he tried to patent it and say, I own this, uh, which was, I think, dumb in the first place. Like, I was talking to my wife about this today, and and, uh, she was like, that's ridiculous. I was like, you pretty much made every point Carl's was going to make. But basically, he was turned down, and the reason he was turned down was because they said it's too similar to Tom Seaver, who the former Mets pitcher, and that he's also known as Tom Terrific, therefore you can't just own it. And my thinking is good, because it's it's really kind of a generic name, right? And if I mean, if it was something that was kind of unique and, and really you only associate with Tom Brady, fine, you know, or put on a clothing line or whatever, but just Tom Terrific is just so generic, so... And plus, you know, it's Tom Brady and he's kind of a pretentious douchebag. So, hey, thank you, Patent Office in the United States. Well, I think the I think the more specific of it was that the Patent Office basically told in the reply, point blank, this nickname is associated to Tom Seaver. And it's been associated to Tom Seaver for a long time. Tom Seaver's reputation was built in the late 60s with the Miracle Mets and in the 70s playing for that Mets team. And he was known as Tom Terrific. Like, it was his moniker. And when it comes to uh, trademarks and patents, it's it's not just picking a trademark and saying, okay, I want this trademark. It's you're protecting an association with you. There are a handful of places where I've seen Tom Brady referred by this name, but it, whenever they refer to it, it's like, yeah, the same nickname that you use for Tom Seaver. If anyone in sports knows that the Tom Terrific nickname is more commonly associated with Tom Seaver. And a couple of other minor notes. The the excuse that Tom Grady gave was wonderful. He basically realized that he was getting this backlash and kind of backtracked, saying that he was doing it so that people would stop calling him Tom Terrific. That was the that was the uh, the excuse given. That's so dumb. It's 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 but it's wonderful. It really is glorious. 
Also, on a, on a couple of related notes, Tom Seaver has ret- kind of retired from public life because he has dementia. So you're stealing the nickname of a guy with dementia. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Brady is the Antichrist. Yeah, I have nothing to add. And that's the logical flow. If you really pay attention to it and draw between the lines, you'll see how we got from where you know where it is to Tom Brady being the Antichrist. It's, it's obvious. But I really am disappointed that I have to explain it to any of you. And at this point, you should know. But that's our Tom Brady story. <laughs> and by the way, that's the last time I'm going to mention Tom Brady unless he actually does something relevant until the playoffs because I'm not talking about the New England Patriots for any other reason. I refuse. I openly refuse. This is fair. Yeah. They just don't exist. There are 31 teams in the NFL until we get to the playoffs. In the playoffs, I'll acknowledge their existence. Until then, nothing. You but only nothing. because you kind of have to. You get nothing, Tom Average. Nothing. You can have that nickname. I'll let you trademark that one. Anyway, next, let's talk about... We are going to talk about the Andrew Luck one, but let's quickly go to Raptors Do Stuff. I like the the, the titling on this. Tell us about <laughs> Raptors doing stuff. Well, because I guess this was a slow week in, in, in basketball. I mean, there's other things we could talk about, like... Team Kobe Canada Shaq naming beef? the Kobe Shaq no. beef. Well, sure, but I was thinking <laughs> Canada naming their twelve-man uh, roster for the World Cup, which is basically two guys who play in the NBA and a bunch of who. Even their NBA guys are kind of who, but we don't need to talk about so that. What you're saying is during the press conference talking about that, they were also talking about the Kobe and Shaq beef. Probably, yeah. Uh, no, but then this, so this isn't re- exactly what I was referring to, but this week. A story came out that Vince Carter tried to recruit Shaq to the Raptors and he felt that he was really close to getting him to cut sign with the Raptors, which kind of came out of nowhere and is also like, who cares? No, at the time, uh, here's the thing. I, I think I think it is kind of a slow news week for the NBA, relatively speaking, because because the NBA for a while was on fire with like story after story, the Kawhi thing and the, the free agency. and uh, It's kind of calmed down for a little bit, but that's okay because the NBA was really going strong for a while it's like story after story after story after story it's it's not the worst thing in the world to have a little break for a little bit and just kind of let the news cycle reset and by the way the nba will have plenty to say drama and all that will happen it will come so i I think it's i think it's okay you know i think at the time i could totally have seen vince carter try to pitch remember when Shaq was a free agent after he was going to leave orlando it was open-ended and by the way vince carter and that raptors team in the early 2000s late 90s was about as hot as any other place uh, in the NBA at the time. Like, they were seen as kind of an up-and-coming team. They never got there, but they had talent. They had, and Vince Carter was one of the biggest stars in the NBA at the time. So it yeah. would have been like he couldn't have made that phone call. I, he, It's plausible. Let's put it that way. It, I could oh, for sure, it's plausible. It just seems like it kind of came out of nowhere is what I'm saying. I'm sure at some point it'll be in the Vince Carter biography. Whatever. It was an and, attempt. He tried. But, yeah. But more importantly, uh, the Raptors announced that they're going retro for this, their 25th season. And they're going to wear the dinosaur logo jerseys. So throwing it back to 95. uh, And they're going to wear the white jersey only, which will be one of four jerseys they're going to wear this season. So they're going to wear that one. They're going to wear their regular home and away. And your favorite, the OVO jersey. Wonderful. But yeah, basically the inaugural uh, white jerseys from the first, you know, from the early to early years. Like I said, I mentioned to you earlier, I, I, I actually prefer the purple ones. If you're going to go with like the inaugural era jerseys, I think the purple one looks nicer. I think if you're, especially if you're going to sell jerseys, you know you're going to sell these things to people. Use the purple one. It looks better, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I like the purple one better too, but I'm a big fan of the old school logo. I like the retro look. You're going to buy it? So, uh, am I going to buy the jersey? Probably not, but you know, I might get something else with it. I did debate getting a hoodie with the logo on it. 
But, you know, I don't have a Raptors jersey, so it's a possibility. Now, let me ask you. Actually, this leads to a question. This, uh, this doesn't warrant a whole other topic, but since you brought it up. Grown man, adult, wearing the basketball jersey. Do you wear it with a shirt underneath or no? In pretty much if I'm out in public, yes. If I'm playing basketball or kind of kicking it at the beach or something like that or at the cottage, no sleeves. Any other kind of circumstance, I will have something on underneath. I think this is acceptable because I think if you're actually out in public, you look like a complete douchebag. You're basically wearing a you're basically wearing a um, a tank, which is like why? No. And to be honest with you, most of the guys who are trying to pull this off are in no condition to try to pull this off. So also true. Put on put on a damn shirt underneath the damn thing. Just stop it. Especially if you go to a basketball game, you're not cool. Deal with it. Or get in shape, one or the other. I don't care what you do, but you know, work on your traps then if you're going to do this. Yeah, I leave it to you. But uh, I, I just thought I'd ask you the question since we brought, since we were talking about. No, fair enough. Okay, let's talk about Andrew Luck retiring. It was a kind of a sudden thing, and it le- there's a couple of related items that I think are worth discussing about this. I understand the rationale, but the suddenness of it, it wasn't surprising given what had been happening. But it is a surprise because he was the comeback player of the year last year. So he had actually come back from a series of injuries. And I think the the culmination of so many injuries and just having to keep coming back, I think, did wear him out. Also, the fact that Andrew Luck has made more enough money to never need to work again. So it's not that's not an issue. And he's very much a cerebral kind of guy. So I think he's smart enough to know that, you know what, I don't need to keep putting myself through this punishment if it's going to keep resulting in me having to rehab constantly from one thing and another. He's 29 years old. He has made $100 million or more already at this point. At that point, I could see why you would hang it up. So two things. Let's break it down in two pieces. Number one, what did you think about the retirement? And then we'll talk about number two, the relative, the admittedly small portion of indie Colts fans who booed this man. Yeah, so, I mean, I was obviously shocked by it. I, I mean, sorry, I shouldn't say shocked. Uh, surprise would be a, a more apt word. And... I was like, I'm really glad that uh, I'm told I'm not in a keeper league where I had him as a player and that I hadn't already done a fantasy draft. You know, it would be nice also if we had done our AFC preview after this had happened because I did pick the Colts to make the playoffs and now I don't think that's going to happen. But that said, you know, I don't have an issue with it. I, I mean, it's, it's Andrew Luck. He's been injured quite often. As you said, he's made a bunch of money. So one thing I wish he'd taken differently with it, though, is that he made the decision sooner. I think from a fan standpoint, it, it just it's a better look. But also, you know, it's come out that he had been obviously contemplating this for a while. And it's one of those ideas that I did hear on, on some of the talk shows that, you know, once you start contemplating retirement, you're basically already retired. I don't. He did not play in a preseason game. I mean, I guess the team has been obviously practicing without him and, and, and working for Jacoby Brissett to, you know, take the starting reps in practice, which is good. But I don't, I don't, have any issue with him doing it right based on his circumstance Uh, he's been concussed several times as well so if he feels for health reasons it's better to get out now more power to him no that's fair i think that's a reasonable response the reality is that at your point the point you made was the valid one and that is that the timing on it is unfortunate because it's only a couple of weeks from the regular season starting so i think that threw a lot of people off although to be fair to your other point that you made accurately, he had not really played in the preseason at all. So the team basically was more or less ready to go with the idea that he wasn't going to be ready for week one, no matter what happened. 
the other wrinkle that kind of makes it interesting is that with all the the varying reports kind of out of Indianapolis, the in, the Colts did basically agree to pay him for the season because they could have tried to pull it out given the retirement. Because I think almost the idea behind it, and this is one of the things that's been posited out there, is that the the weird way the Colts have responded to it, given that they kind of knew this was even a possibility, and the way it happened, and the fact that they aren't just using the retirement as a rationale to pull the money back, it feels like they're trying to keep the relationship open in that maybe after a season off he could come back, which would be an odd decision. I don't know. I, I do subscribe to the idea that if you contemplate a retirement legitimately, I do think once you decide to go down that route, I think that really is it. I don't see why, with his injury history, he would come back. Even if it even if it is to make a little bit more money, even if he would be in his early 30s, I don't know if it would be worth trying to do a comeback with an, a full year off of football, even even if it was full year off to try to heal. Yeah, it's it's kind of, I think, one of those things that people that like Andrew Luck and think he's a good quarterback, he is a good quarterback, but think that the, obviously the Colts are better off with him and maybe he comes back and it's all good. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's just a pipe dream. I think really the biggest impact here is that the Colts go from being a potential AFC favorite. You know, they're right up there, especially with the way the AFC is kind of in flux. They're up there as a possible Super Bowl caliber team to get there to being a team that I think can still make the playoffs. Jacoby Brissett isn't necessarily, he's not Andrew Luck, but it also isn't necessarily falling off the cliff. He's not the Johnny Kaiser. He's not um, He's not Nathan Peterman. He's not a lot of other people that I've seen try to take a snap in the last couple of years where yeah. you're doomed. He's, he's not quite that, you know, I think Jacoby Brissett is better than that. He's a, he's a reasonable backup who, if the Colts are able to actually field a decent team, can actually play. What I would say, though, one other factor that is brought up. So two things. Number one, the fans booing him. I think that's BS. I'm not a fan of that. Because at the end no. of the day, the guy was injured a lot. It's not like uh, it's not like he didn't have a massive injury history and missed a ton of time, and had to keep coming back. The reality is, you can only take so much punishment. the The other fact of it is that the Indy Colts themselves, the franchise, did him a disservice because it only is in this past year or so where they finally started addressing some of the issues. In his first three or four seasons, he got absolutely destroyed behind center. He was getting killed on a regular basis, and I it's it's hard to imagine a quarterback taking more punishment and not be and not having to retire early. He would yeah. on track for that early. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a combination of really bad circumstances. You've got a guy who they basically ditched Peyton Manning for him, so you've got all that pressure. So you've got to follow that, and he had the talent, but then he was also put in a position where he had to get destroyed every single week and had to keep taking that punishment and coming back and performing well. And the expectation was always that he would be the next guy. And the Colts thought they had almost a dynasty. I, I talk about how, as a Packer fan, I've been disappointed that we didn't quite get what we wanted to get. But I, my team had two generational quarterbacks. Indy was thinking they had that. They're thinking, well, we had Peyton Manning for 15 years, and now we could have Col- uh, Luck for 15 years and get that similar kind of long, drawn-out, uh, dynastic kind of situation where you could have these great teams year after year after year with two great quarterbacks. And it didn't quite get there. Yeah. So it's kind of unfortunate for Indy, but it doesn't excuse uh, booing a guy who got destroyed while wearing a uniform and wasn't helped by his front office. So I'm not Agreed. a big fan of that part of Agreed. it. Agreed. With all that said, it is time for Dave Turnbull, and really only Dave Turnbull's favorite segment, the pretentious cross-country running report with Dave Turnbull. 
It's true, because you know no one listens to this podcast strictly for the pretentious cross-country running report. I actually think that people find ways to pause and then fast-forward directly over this segment and go immediately to what we're looking forward to, or the main topic. It's quite possible. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm going CONCACAF this week, Carlos. Shocking! If you had CONCACAF on your bingo card, everyone, hit it! It's time for bingo! As I mentioned last week, uh, Forge FC won one nil against Olympia from Honduras in the CONCACAF League round of 16. So they took a one nil lead into Honduras. Now, here's the thing, Carlos. I'm a little annoyed because there's a chance for them to make history, being a Canadian team playing majority of Canadian players to win in Honduras, where, generally speaking, nobody does well. That's from North America. And that's exactly what happened. They did not make history. They did not do well. They lost four to one. So they lost 4 to an aggregate. But here's the thing. If ever there was a really good opportunity to actually win in Honduras, this was it. Do you know why, Carlos? Why because was this the opportunity to win in Honduras? Because they were forced to play in an empty stadium because of crowd trouble and, and the club was sanctioned. So they played the game with no fans. So there's no pressure from the fans or fans throwing things at you, which happens in Central America all the time or anything like that. It was an empty stadium. And then they lost 4-1. So if you're not going to get it done in an empty stadium, I don't know when you're going to get it done. I like to think of it less as them playing in an empty stadium as much as playing in front of a Toronto Argos capacity crowd. Basically the same. Yeah. There, there's my uh, little CFL shot of the day. See, I'm getting my bingo. I got Tom Brady. I got the CFL. Wait for it. Wait for it. There'll be more shots of soccer later on. Please go on. Anything else you want to add for that? No, uh, I just wanted to point that out. Um, the other thing that's kind of annoying, though, well, I guess is the article uh, on Sportsnet about it just says they lost and here's who scored and when they scored and makes no mention of anything else. So apparently the only person who cares about this is me. I, I've been arguing that point literally for years. years. This has been the pretentious cross country running report with Dave Turnbull. And I'm sure Dave Turnbull will write us a nice letter talking about how nice that segment was. The rest of us will write a nice note saying how mercifully short that segment was. Let's move on. With that said, I think we can now get into the main topic. So I've got Dave with his wonderful notes, and he's also going to take down some of the predictions. And it's a good thing he's going to write these things down, because I'll be completely honest with you, I was thinking about this. I actually forgot all my predictions from the AFC thing. It actually left my mind the moment I stopped recording on the podcast. So much was my caring for the AFC. However, this week we're talking about the NFC. You've got a team in the NFC, I've got a team in the NFC, and we've got the Detroit Lions. Let's do this thing. All right. So we're gonna we're actually gonna save the South and the North for last. So we'll we'll end with the NFC North just for you, Carlos. Because we've got thoughts. Oh yes. But uh, we're gonna start with the NFC East. So my prediction did we I can't remember how we did this last week. Did I mention which order and then give some thoughts or my best my favorite part about that is that it really plays into what I just said where we didn't even listen to ourselves during the AFC preview. Everyone, whatever we said, just reverse it. It doesn't make any difference. The, right. the only thing I remember is that I predicted the Patriots and I'm pretty sure I predicted an Ottawa team in the Super Bowl. I, I like that pick still. I'm saying as a dark horse, random Ottawa t- football team in the Super Bowl, Emerson Ogilvy for MVP, that's a dark horse you might want to think about. Go on. Let's just go through the teams and then I'll give you the order. Go ahead. So Eagles. I think the big thing here is can Wentz stay healthy? That's Um, really the only thing with the Eagles. Right? They have some good stuff. I mean, they have Deshaun Jackson. He's back. You know, they've got Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Zach Ertz, 
they did an offensive heavy draft and got a, another running back and Miles Sanders. I think all the pieces are there. It's a question of if their quarterback's healthy, I think they're the number one team in the division. If then he's not, then I don't think they make the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think really the big difference, the, the point that you're making, it sounds obvious and it is, but at the same time, really think about this. The last two years, the Eagles' fortunes, it wasn't that Carson Wentz didn't contribute. He totally contributed to both seasons. But the truth is this, the injury problems meant that having Nick Foles there as the safety blanket, as the backup, was huge. One of them led to a Super Bowl victory, and the other one led to a dramatic you know, playoff victory. So having that veteran quarterback that is actually able to... If Nick Foles does nothing else in his life, those two little playoff runs, are he's going to be able to live off that forever. He is a Super Bowl champion. He did it in the biggest game against a team, that, you know, any legitimate team, but a team nonetheless. True. Yeah, so that's so for the Eagles, it really goes now that he's not there anymore. You can't rely on him to back to back up Wentz if Wentz can play at the caliber that he did. So during the Super Bowl year, he was playing at an MVP caliber before he went down for injury. If he can resurrect any of that, then you have to like the Eagles in that division. Yep. And then I don't know if I like this prediction or not, but in number two, I have the Cowboys. And the reason I have the Cowboys, I mean, there's some obviously some stuff. And meaning what's going on with Ezekiel Elliott. Um, apparently, he's been offered a deal to be the second highest paid running back, although he wants to be the first. Dak Prescott is, you know, shown himself to be a very capable quarterback in terms of. <laughs> I totally agree. That laughing, I have no idea who that was in the background. Uh, they gave defensive end DeMarcus Lawrence a $105 million deal. They've got a good O line. Alfred Morris has come in. They've got Randall Cobb, a red receiver. All interesting. Question is, if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't play, then they have Tony Pollard, who's a fourth-round pick. And the other interesting thing is, Jason Witten has come out of retirement from the ESPN booth to play tight end again. He was actually really bad. I feel like at some point someone did a meeting and go, so listen, Jason, as a broadcaster, I think you were a great tight end. You should probably go back and do that. That'd be good. Could you, could you like, do that? Yeah, and I think overall, I mean... The reason I picked the Cowboys as second is not because I really like the Cowboys, but because I don't think the other two teams are any better. Which is always a good reason to pick a team, not last. So the thing is, so I have some thoughts about the Dallas Cowboys. New England Patriots, move aside. I am now going to whip the Dallas Cowboys because they deserve it. Jerry Jones amuses me to no end. Dak Prescott is basically an average quarterback. He is the 35th best quarterback in the NFL. The truth is... He's fine. You know, he, I, I, there's definitely worse. But the, the, re, the reality is they needed last year Amari Cooper to come for effectively pennies on the dollar. The, you know, he wasn't getting the job done in Oakland. He had his issues there. But he was able to perform inconsistently, but still at a reasonably high level in Dallas. If he's able to replicate some of that, that's going to help. If Ezekiel Elliott comes back, that's going to help. But the problem is... And one of the reports that I saw is that they might be getting a deal done as soon as this weekend. If they do, that's great for them, but it's still going to take a little time for him now to reacclimate himself. Running his own personal training camp in Cabo isn't quite the same thing as actually being in camp, taking, you know, play. you're not going to play a ton of snaps in preseason, but you, you need to take a couple of those reps. So I don't think if he, even if he's ready, you, you throw him out there in game one, I don't know if that's what you want to do. Because he's one, or, he's one decent hit away when he's not ready. Like if he, as a running back, if he's not ready to go and he takes the wrong kind of hit and he goes down, you just paid for a guy who's going to be sitting, you know, on the sidelines. You don't want that, especially 
in the early part of the season with the Cowboys, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but if we look at the schedule, I think one of the things that stood out is that the schedule early on for the Cowboys isn't exactly strong. You're not really playing some strong teams early. So if you're the Cowboys, you could almost afford not to have Elliott there for the first couple of weeks. But even if you sign him, I would probably then have him, you know, training in the background before I throw him out there. Take advantage of the relatively soft schedule early, try to win some games, and then incorporate him into the offense. The question is going to be if he's going to be able to reset the market because that's what he seems intent on doing. And then you still have to pay Dak Prescott, which is interesting because Dak Prescott, what he's asking for is not unreasonable in line with starting quarterbacks in the NFL today. But I don't know if I would pay Dak Prescott $30 million for Dak Prescott, who's so reliant on other components in order to actually be able to do what he has been able to do. So like I said, he's not terrible. But at the same time, he in and of himself isn't going to carry your team. He needs Amari Cooper. He needs Ezekiel Elliott. He needs possibly Jason Witten. Question mark. But the point is he needs other things in order to help him actually be a decent performer. If he doesn't have those things, the Cowboys could very easily slide backwards. As much as you don't like the other two teams, they could easily move behind the other two very quickly without those components in place. Mm-hmm. So just be aware of that is all I would say. Fair enough. Bring on the next team. Uh, okay, so in number three, I have Washington. Uh, I don't even know. I it's. It... So can I throw <laughs> so, something out there with uh, Washington here? I, yeah, I have some notes. I'm just I'm just looking at the name Case Keenum on my paper and going facepalm. I don't think Case Keenum is going to be playing that long. And Case Keenum again, I I almost like Case Keenum more than Dak Prescott. But anyway, so I'm just saying the thing is Dwayne Haskins will probably get in there sooner rather than later. So I think he'll be there. I expect him to start at some point in the season, The X factor for me is Darius Geis. Because Darius Geis got hurt last year before he was even able to get started. And if he's, and if he's good, running backs tend, rookie running backs tend to be able to perform their best work early. So it's not like they need the development time that other positions need. They're usually, look at Saquon Barkley. He was ready to go pretty much out of the blocks. And that team was terrible. And he was still able to do things. If Darius Geis, he doesn't have to be at that level. But I'm saying if Darius Geis is anywhere close to a thousand yard back and is able to produce that kind of offense for them. When Dwayne Haskins gets in there, they might be okay. That's why I say like the, the fortune of the Dallas Cowboys will determine Washington could very easily leapfrog them. It wouldn't take that much to potentially move up that level. That doesn't mean they're necessarily a playoff team, but I'm just saying don't throw them out completely because maybe if a couple of those pieces fall into place for them, it might work out. Yeah. At least and the other thing is you have Landon Collins at safety who signed an $84 million deal because the Giants wouldn't pay him. So you have a very motivated safety, at least within the division too. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know what Washington has a lot of question marks, but I'll be very curious to see what Darius guys does. Like I'm genuinely interested in seeing what that does. And that may have a major impact on how that offense runs because yep. it's kind of a thing that they didn't have last year that suddenly they have. No. Fair. And then, okay. And then at fourth, I have the Giants. I think uh, Saquon will be Saquon, so good there. But you don't have Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Golden Tate is starting the season suspended. You've got a whole bunch of defensive rookies. And you have Eli Manning, who's no longer good, and Daniel Jones, the no-swag quarterback, as your backup. Very so true. So they're in fourth. Very true. But Daniel Jones... Now, just so we're clear, this what I'm about to say right now is tongue-in-cheek a little bit. Because remember what I said about preseason? It doesn't matter. But in the preseason, Daniel Jones did play very well. 
And the truth is, I think most New York Giants fans are like, do we have to get Eli Manning killed? Is that what we have to do here? You'd have to be really conflicted as a New York Giants fan right now. On the one hand, Eli Manning beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. He has two Super Bowl rings. He has as many Super Bowl rings as Peyton Manning, who is the vastly superior Manning. And yet, same amount of Super Bowl rings in only two attempts. At the same time, the rest of his career has been mediocre. And right now, he's flat out terrible. So, you know, as a Giants fan, I would be ridiculously conflicted. I don't know what to feel about this. And at the same time, waiting in the wings is Daniel Jones. So again, I don't know what I would feel if I was a New York Giants fan right now. Go Saquon? I guess. Exactly. I guess that's pretty much all you've got. And then hope for the best. So, to recap then, I have the Eagles number one, Cowboys number two, Washington number three, and the Giants number four. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm very similar to you, but here's where I'm going to differ from you on this a little bit. I will go with the Eagles in first. I'm going to go with Washington second. I'm going to go with the idea that maybe Darius Geis comes in here and does something, and I'm kind of hoping that Dwayne Haskins gets in there, and I don't need him to light it up necessarily, but I just need him to be competent there at quarterback. I'm hoping that that combination can propel them. I'm going to put the Cowboys in third, and then we'll put the Giants at the bottom. All right. I have it written down. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with as a slight difference. Again, you could make a legitimate argument. A lot of these teams that we just talked about, we're talking about based on injuries, based on signings, based on what they actually get out of players they didn't get anything out of last year. There are so many X factors in this division. You could legitimately make an argument for almost everything except the Giants winning the division. Just about everything else you could make an argument for. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, now we're going to go on to the NFC West. And to be honest, this is the one I have the fewest notes on because I care the least about this division. Uh, anyway, so in number one, I have the Rams because I don't really think they've lost very much. And they've had two huge additions. And I say huge. One being Clay Matthews, which might hurt you a little bit. I watched Clay Matthews play the last couple of years. Um, It doesn't hurt me that much. Okay. And I also say huge tongue-in-cheek, Carlos, just so you know. Yeah. Uh, Because the other one is Blake Bortles. Listen, when you can get a dominant player like Blake Bortles in his prime, because he has to be in his prime because he's got to be in his prime at some time. As far as I know, he hasn't hit his prime because I haven't seen it. But I'm sure he's in his prime. Mathematically, yeah. probably. Maybe. Uh, and Dom- yeah, and Dominican Sue is gone. I think that's going to be a big loss based on the way he played last year. They also lost two offensive line starters in John Sullivan and Roger Saffold. So my thing with the- this team is I expect them to be good. I expect them to win the division relatively easily. I just don't really think they've gotten that. I think they've kind of just it's status quo with this team overall. So you know how weeks ago I talked about like an alternate version of the NFL where the Raiders suddenly got relegated to the CFL and Antonio Brown questioned all his decisions in life? Correct. In the same vein, can I just dream of an NFL? I have nothing against Jared Goff. In fact, I literally have nothing against Jared Goff because if the bastard had been even competent in the Super Bowl, we would be one less Super Bowl for you-know-who, the team that shall not be named. However, and also I would have been able to sell my rookie cards for a profit and Carlos would have made money. Again, whatever. But wouldn't it be hilarious if somehow Jared Goff went down with injury and uh, somehow Sean McVay, in the greatest coaching comeback of all time, found a way to get to the playoffs and do something with Blake Bortles. I kind of want the storyline, Dave. I want it so bad. I don't think you're going to get it, but I hear what you're saying. It doesn't matter. But would it not be glorious? Is that not something we should like secretly root for? 
Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe like I don't really root for injuries, but Blake Bortles somehow having to come in and take them to Super Bowl that would be entertaining. I wish nothing bad on Jared Goff. I'm just saying it'd be hilarious. It would be so funny. Blake Bortles yes, of would. all people. Just I just say that's all I'm saying here. Uh, <laughs> I'm so cruel. <laughs> okay. Please continue in this division. Uh, next team up, and then so the the other three in this team division, I don't really. I think you could kind of put them in any order, and it would probably be okay. Um, I have the 49ers in the second, mostly because I feel that Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from injury will actually be good for them and make them better than they were last year and better than the Seahawks or the Cardinals. Ooh, bold statement. Okay, go on. So that's all I have to say about San Francisco. <laughs> okay. Uh, I told you I didn't have much in this division. I was, I was kind of hoping that when you said that, you would literally say like, the NFC West, it is the polar opposite of the NFC East. Why? Because East is opposite of West. That's what I got. Next division. Okay. The Jimmy G thing is really the X factor here. Again, I'm, I'm stating the obvious. Uh, the, the beauty of football is that you can actually state the obvious and make it sa- and occasionally make it sound like it's profound. You know, uh, John Madden basically made a career out of this. Better offense, defense, and special teams will make you a special team, just so we're all clear. That's but, true. Um, look, here's, here's the thing. I don't know if Jimmy G is good or not. It's it's hard to tell. Like you've seen samplings that he could be, and he showed um, in, in his beginning of his San Francisco tenure. He went on that win streak. He went on that run where he looked like a legitimate guy. And Bill Belichick thought a lot of him because he basically orchestrated him going to San Francisco as opposed to going to a backwater because San Francisco had some potential when he went over there. And again, he went on a win streak. Like he was able to put together a good run. I don't know if that guy still exists. I don't know if it was a mirage. I don't know if it was reality. I struggle. Um, I'll add, when we get to making our predictions for this division, I'll talk a little bit more about... San Francisco is a tough one for me. It's an X factor. But let's let's move right. on to some of the other teams. Okay, Seahawks. Um, I see a regression here because uh, Earl Thomas is gone. Mm-hmm. Doug Baldwin, the wide receiver, is also gone. I just feel that mostly their defense is sort of in a regression. It's a reasonable. I I think your I think your logic there is reasonable. I get it. I think the, I, I think Russell Wilson is still a top level quarterback. And this I, I agree with. Yeah, I think that team is still decent. We'll talk about it when we pick the le- thing. But you know, spoiler. I think they'll be the second place team. That's where I have them. Uh, I still have to go with the Rams only because they're still very good. But um, if, if you told me the Seahawks win the division in a weird year, I. I would have no issue with this. I still think they're capable of rising up to the top of that division. I still think they're right there. Okay. And then um, I have Arizona in fourth. And basically the only thing is, what's Kyler Murray going to do? And my prediction is he, along with the Arizona fans, are going to wish that he'd chosen baseball. I wish he had chosen baseball. The Oakland A's have been jobbed out so many times. Show some love for the Oakland A's. Can't they win a thing once? Just one time. They were already paying the man. And, uh, and he ditched him to go play for the Arizona Cardinals. That kind of sucks. Anyway, I really don't know about Kyler Murray. I'm not convinced. Also, I'm not convinced of Cliff Klingsbury. There's no track record there for me to assume that they're going to be any good. So from my perspective, really what you've told me and where I'm at, the only thing I'm convinced of is the bookends. Rams in first, Cardinals, in, Cardinals last, I've got the Seahawks third, uh, second, 
And I've got San Francisco third basically by default. It's not so much that like I, I have a great logic for it. It's just I've run out of slots. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, the only difference I have, I have Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, Zona. So we'll see. We're both convinced that the Rams are the class of this division and will win it easily. It, it should be. That would be what I'd expect. But like I said, if the Seahawks jump up, I'm not going to sit here with, you know, with a look of horror on my face. It's like, OK, yeah, Russell Wilson's still a good quarterback. And he's still a very good And right now, he's the only proven quarterback in this division. He's the only one with a track record and a Super Bowl ring. So I can't throw him out. NFC South. It's your division, buddy. What do you want? You know what? I'm just going to go. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a spoiler alert here because it pains me to say it. I just want to get out of the way. I am not picking the Saints to win the division. I'm going to need a minute. I might need a refill of my drink. Go on. <laughs> so. Uh, we'll start with the Saints, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think about them. But obviously, I love this team. Uh, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be right there. But the Saints had, in my opinion, had three major things they needed to fix in the offseason. Peyton Manning's age? Well, no. Okay. Sorry. Uh, the- I actually said Peyton Manning. Never mind. Drew Brees' age. Peyton Manning's age is not a factor for the for the Saints, although it might be. One, they needed a new tight end, which they got in Jared Cook, which I think he will be really good, although he hasn't played as much as I would like in preseason anyway. Two, they needed a secondary receiver to Michael Thomas. They did not get that. In fact, if anything, I feel they got worse on offense with the loss of Mark Engram to Baltimore. So now Alvin Kamara is the, the running back, and your backup is Latavius Murray. I'm not liking them as much there. And three, they needed something else in the secondary, which I guess is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but that name doesn't really go woohoo to me. I think basically, I don't think they got any better. They might not need to, though, because I really this feel is like, true. I feel like this, this is true. I've, so just as an overarching theme, everyone, I joke about the AFC and how it's in flux. It is. But the NFC is in flux, too. Not to, I don't feel like the I don't feel like it's as chaotic. I feel like I could pick more teams in the NFC that I feel like are decent. But I don't feel like anyone's dominant. I don't feel like anyone is like, oh, yeah, that team for sure. hundred percent. We're going a lot off of track records. We're going a lot off of potential. And we've got question marks all over the map. My big thing with the Saints, you've named off a lot of different aspects of it that we got to consider. But really, for me, is Drew Brees is still a great quarterback, I think. A lot of these quarterbacks are still really, really, really good at what would be advanced ages in previous eras. But Mm -hmm. the Drew Brees I saw last year is not the same Drew Brees that was putting up 5,000-yard seasons like it was going out of style. Correct. Still a very good top-level quarterback. I just don't know if he's that guy at that level anymore. And if he's not, and there's a further regression, even if it's a small one, he could still be a 4,000-yard passer, but that's still a regression from what Drew Brees has been in recent seasons. And if that happens, then you're starting to lose a little bit of what gave the Saints that edge. We, we, we harped on it. When we started this podcast was because the Saints lost an NFC championship where they were right there. And I think that was the window for them because that team was real good. And Drew Brees was at or near the peak of his power still. I don't think he's at the peak of his powers anymore. And that's a problem yeah. for that Saints team. No, absolutely it is. Um, and basically, I think we'll go over the next team, but I think Atlanta's going to win the division. And the reason I think Atlanta's going to win the division is because they had so many injuries last year. It was like injury craziness. They had one of their major receivers injured. They had injuries on defense. So here's the thing. I'm not going to go through specifics about people and whatnot, but if Atlanta stays healthy, that's all they need, in my opinion. And I hate Atlanta with a passion. 
minus that video they put out on Twitter about where they did the game, they did their announced their season schedule with the Game of Thrones intro. That was cool. Otherwise, I hate Atlanta and everything they stand for. We're just so we're clear. We're talking about the Falcons, right? Not the city of Atlanta, because you've declared war on a lot of places already. Like, I've, at a certain point, you're not going to be allowed to go anywhere. I can't take you anywhere, Dave. I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> no, no. For now, we're just talking about the Falcons. Okay. So conceptually, sure. Um, the problem with Atlanta is it's always been like. Here's the thing. I I think Atlanta's downward spiral. The injuries, yes, agreed, hundred percent last year. The injuries. But I feel like when they blew that 25-point lead in the Super Bowl to a team who should not be named, that really set them back. Like, that was that was that should have been Matt Ryan's coronation. That should have been the moment that they took the leap into that next level. And even if they never get back, that was their moment. That was literally the exclamation point on what was an excellent season for that team. And it's never been the same. Like, they've never come close to being anywhere the same. I don't know what's left, even if they get the players back healthy, I don't know if psychologically, I don't know about Matt Ryan. He would worry me at this point. And Julio Jones, I believe, I'm trying to remember right now, but I think last year Julio Jones played extremely well. But I feel like he had a tough time getting to the end zone. I think it was like a, like a big time drought. I don't think he was able to quite get there with the regularity that you would expect from a Julio Jones. True, but one, I think one of the reasons is, and I can't, I have the name is escaping me, is it Deion Jones? Their secondary receiver was injured. Totally. And I think that there's always factors. There's always factors. But I'm just saying there's little Atlanta doesn't feel solid to me. I'm not sure if where I would put them right now. As we go through them, I'm going to make a decision. But I'm just saying Atlanta worries me. There's certain things that concern me that I haven't seen addressed. Fair enough. Go on. All right. Uh, so the Panthers, I have them. He of the uh, heads. Yeah. Really, really, this is another quarterback team. I mean, they have a new defensive tackle in Jared McCoy, which I think is a great addition. But really, this is Cam's team, and they will go as Cam goes. Yeah, I think I think the man needs to get out of his own head and stop buying his own hype and actually focus on football. I already I already like referenced it when I talked about the um, all or nothing, the Amazon Prime show. That's the Amazon's answer to Hard Knocks. It was all or nothing, and they had the Carolina Panthers last season. And the thing is. It get, it's still a show, and people know they're on camera, and I get that. But every time I see Cam Newton, I keep thinking, like, can you just focus on football a little bit? Stop telling me you're focusing on football and actually focus on football. If you were focusing on football, you don't have time for your stupid hats and your cigar bar and all that crap. Focus on football because physically you had all this talent, and it's never harness, and it's never been fully harnessed. You got to that one Super Bowl, and I... Right now with Cam Newton, I can't get the vision out of my head of the big play of that Super Bowl to me, which is when they had a fumble and Cam Newton had a chance to go dive for the football and he flinched and he refused to go after the ball in the Super Bowl, which was supposed to be a big moment and he didn't do it. And then he completely wet the bed on the whole thing because that Super Bowl, they got trounced. They really wasn't pretty and it was never in doubt. And after that, they never really met any of the potential. And it's a shame because I, based on that all or nothing, like I said, little snippets. Of, I like the owner of this franchise. I think the owner of this franchise is a good owner. And that's hard to say in the NFL because it's a lot of bad owners. But I think this owner is a good owner. And I think, frankly, he deserves better than what he's getting out of Cam Newton right now. Just worries me. I don't think, that's the, I don't think it's there. But we'll see. This yeah. division is fascinating to me right now. And then you have the Bucs. And this is the thing about the Bucs. If you told me, well, actually, I'll tell you and you tell me, okay? Bruce Arians is your head coach. Yep. Byron Leftwich is your offensive coordinator. Todd Bowles is your defensive coordinator. 
Uh, you've bolstered your defensive line with Ndamukong Sue, mm. and you have an all-star wide receiver in Mike Evans. Mm. What do you think about your team? I think I still need a quarterback. Right. And you have Jameis Winston. That's the issue right there. Yeah. The NFL needs to learn that you can get away with a lot of things. Now, mind you, you can go too far the other way. Like I said, Packers fan, we have an elite all-time Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. And if you're relying on that strictly, you will be competitive. But holy crap, will it be frustrating when you're like, we have the one thing that's really hard to get. Getting an elite quarterback is hard. There are so many quarterbacks that are merely good or, you know, garbage. And there are NFL teams that would kill for even a decent quarterback to help their team. But if you refuse to fill in the other aspects of it, you can have you can have a quarterback with that kind of talent and it's no good. Or you can have the opposite. You can be the Jacksonville Daguars with Blake Bortles where they had everything except the quarterback. And we learn what happens if the quarterback is holding you back. And we'll talk about more of that in the NFC North because there's a couple of teams that we'll discuss where the quarterback might be the thing holding them back. But this is an issue. This is a longstanding issue with a lot of these teams where real teams that have that balance and they have the combination of two are so hard to do. And I think the team that shall not be named has gotten away with this so long because they've actually struck an excellent balance. As hard as it is to admit, they've struck an excellent balance between actually building a team around said quarterback to work with what they can do well and actually harness that. Heaven forbid, what an idea, mind-blown meme. <laughs> yeah. So I guess then the I'll have to say is the order. So I'm going with, and I hate saying this, and I really hope this is the one where I really hope I'm wrong. Atlanta number one, the Saints number two, Panthers number three, Bucks number four. Okay. Carlos? So I'm going to do, I'm actually going to take the Saints uh, to win the division because, like I said, I think this division is in flux. I really don't think uh, these other teams are right there. I'm going to say Atlanta uh, Atlanta second. I'm going to take Carolina third because I really question them. And I'm going to take the Bucks fourth again by default. I like I like Bruce Arians. I like a lot of what the Bucks have, but you still need a quarterback. And right, right now you still don't have it. It, it. Carolina, for all its issues, quarterback's got a, is a head case. Isn't harnessing his abilities to his full capabilities, but at least he's got the talent. At least he's got the capability. If somehow maybe Bruce Arians slaps him hard enough, maybe, maybe... <laughs> He could actually use some of that talent, and they could harness it. Heaven forbid. Yeah, I think I think it's. I think I, 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 lo- I, said, I love. I think I said Bruce Arians, right? You know what? Bruce Arians is going from Tampa. He's going to walk over to Carolina and slap Cam Newton for his own good. He's not hey, even on his team, but he's, he's doing. Playing it for their, he's doing it for their own good. I'd actually like to see that. Riverboat Ron but, is not doing that for him. Bruce Arians is coming from Tampa, walking over, slapping Cam Newton to make him play better, and then going back to Tampa and going, "Why can't you at least be as good as Cam Newton, Jameis Winston?" Fair enough. Um, I also love how we're just picking certain teams by default. And the Bucks are in fourth because there's nowhere else to put them. I would say, though, it's because there's a little bit of parity in the NFL this season. Like there, like I said, I mentioned there is no prohibitive favorite. I'm, I'm serious. I'm actually serious. No. I don't think there is a prohibitive. And I then maybe this is the year somebody goes 16-0 and and wins the Super Bowl. It could happen because the NFL is weird like that, but like you it know. doesn't feel that way. I know, but remember, as we told our listeners last week and we'll tell them again now, we know nothing. Correct. Especially when it comes to the NFL. Yes. So with that said, the NFC North. Woo. Uh, so starting with the Bears, um, or Da Bears, as they would like to be known. Uh, you know what? They got a solid year out of Mitchell Trubisky. I, I, 
I don't I don't have confidence in this guy though. They were twelve and four last year, and I just I just don't have the confidence. Uh, I like that they have Haha Clinton Dix, but I don't know if that's mostly because of his name. And I still they still have a great defense. I'm just not sure what we're gonna get. So the Chicago Bears. It makes me so happy. Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, no. So here's the thing. The Chicago Bears have everything except the quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky, I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is terrible. I, I'm not giving him that kind of hard time. But the whole time Dave was giving that description, I, I put the Cheshire Cat smile on. I, I had it on pretty hardcore. And it hurts my face to do it to that degree. It's hard. But the point, the reason I can't have that is because Mitchell Trubisky is going to have to, and we've said this for a couple of seasons now, this team, actually, they were a bad bounce away from advancing in the playoffs last year. So it's not like they weren't in position. But they are going to need their quarterback play. Again, this is another team where they need their quarterback play to step up. He needs to take a leap forward because I feel like the rest of the components are there. That team's legitimate. I have to have to, I have to respect it because the team is there. But Trubisky himself is going to have to carry his weight. And right now, I'm not convinced he's in a position to do so. And I'm not convinced he's ready to do that, which is a problem because as time goes on, it gets really hard to maintain the rest of the franchise if they're not making that leap. Mm-hmm. And that's huge for Chicago. And it's like, it feels like we're saying this every year right now, but it feels like this is the year Chicago needs to find the way to put those pieces together or that window will shut and it'll shut hard when it happens. Yeah. So next team we're going to talk about, because we'll leave your team to the last just to talk about, uh, is the Vikings, which I think they're still a good team. I mean, they've got Adam Thielen, they've got Stefan Diggs, they've got a decent defense, but I just, I don't know. Again, I'm not sure how I feel about Kirk Cousins. You feel like he's a man who's making a lot of guaranteed money, and that's about it. It's Yes, that is exactly how I feel. Yeah. Kirk Cousins' position in the NFL is really to be the man that set the standard for guaranteed money in the NFL because he's getting a lot of it. It's guaranteed. He's getting a lot of guaranteed money. The problem is it's not that he's not talented. He's shown flashes of talent. It's just I don't know if it's elite talent. <laughs> like, he played in Washington. It's not like... It's not like you actually need it to be that good to be the real starter in Washington. And again, it's not like he doesn't have talent. I would put him in the upper end of the league in terms of physical talent as a quarterback. But that doesn't necessarily translate to wins. And it, and it hasn't. And Minnesota, again, was a team not long ago that was in position where they were pretty good too. I think the year that the Saints had that play where we were in the theater watching it, and uh, I, mean, <laughs> I tried not to cackle too hard. But that was the year where they, the, the Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings had Case Keenum at quarterback. And they got far with Case Keenum. So it's not yep. like they need... NFC Championship game. They did not need an elite level quarterback, theoretically, to take that one extra level. But they didn't have it. Case Keenum was good enough to get him there. And he did the job when he needed to. And they're hoping that Cousins is the guy that can take it to the next level. I just There's no evidence yet to suggest that is the case. And that's a problem. Because Minnesota's on the hook for the money. And nobody else is knocking down his door to get to go get the guy. So it's he's yours. Figure it out, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the Detroit Lions. Who... <laughs> last place. Okay. And the last team, the Packers. All right. So the Packers is fun for me. Uh, almost as fun as the Lions, although I did get a good cackle with the Lions. Last place. Uh, let, let me quickly talk about the Lions. Just, just to be fair, just to give. Really, you can't just have the cackle and just leave it at that. I want to, but let, let's let's pretend. Let's let's pretend we're professionals here for a second. All right. So, okay, my professional take is: go. They made a ton of changes. They've got brought in a ton more personnel, and I don't think anything's going to change. That's my take. Yeah, I think Matthew Stafford is tracking though to be the greatest quarterback of all time to never actually win anything. 
Like he could, he, he could end up with 70,000 passing yards or something ridiculous and 300, 400, 500, 800 touchdowns. I don't know. Like it's going to be this ridiculous thing where you're going to stare at the stat line and go, is this one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? And then you're going to go, wait, Matthew Stafford. What? Why does he own all the NFL passing records? Wait a minute. Why did he never win anything? I just don't know about this. All I have to say about the Detroit Lions is I went to a game back years ago in Ford Field watching Detroit Lions, and the way that I trolled Detroit Lions fans that were giving me a hard time was I reminded them that I am going to that my team is going to win. The Packers did win, and I am going to leave Detroit, and they still have to stay there. That is Detroit in a nutshell, and that's what they have to look forward to with Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford. And it's not like Matthew Stafford has no talent. That's why I'm saying he may very well have all these passing records, but then nothing else to show for it. And it's going to be one of the most bizarre careers in professional sports history. We're all going to stare at it in awe it's one day and figure and try to figure out how this happened. And that's the Detroit Lions. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think that's an excellent take. Yeah. So let's talk about the Packers. All right, here's the deal. I like a lot of what the Packers have done. I have no issue with Matt LaFleur, but I don't know how that's going to translate. Early indications are that Aaron Rodgers seems to be getting along with him well, and that's going to be key. I'm hoping it gets along with him well because he basically drove McCarthy out. Now, the truth is McCarthy should have been gone years earlier because they were stagnant. They were stuck. And the front office of the Packers waited too long. The frustrating thing as a Packers fan with the Green Bay Packers is that they had good teams, really good teams. Aaron Rodgers has had injuries recently, but they had good teams when he was healthy and he was able to produce and things were going well. And they, they failed to address the defense. And now they finally address the defense, but now like Aaron Rodgers is in his late 30s. Does that mean it's the end? No, not necessarily. Not in today's NFL because these guys are extending their careers a long time and they can be effective. But it's like, could you not have done this while Aaron Rodgers healthier? And when he was already at the, he was closer to the peak of his powers. I'm hoping that if he's able to get on the same page as the flirt, because by the by the end the end of the tenure, he was not on the same page as McCarthy. They were work, they were basically working opposite agendas. If Matt Lafleur can work with Aaron Rodgers to build an offense that they can both kind of live with and work with, a happy Aaron Rodgers will likely translate to a winning Aaron Rodgers. But the problem is now, can the a happy Aaron Rodgers remain a healthy Aaron Rodgers? And that's huge for that team. They still have enough weapons to make it interesting. The Packers have every capability of jumping from first to third in this division. I don't think they'll be as bad as the Lions unless Rodgers goes down early and they're relying on Deshaun Kaiser. Then we're screwed. But outside of that, you could make a legitimate argument for first, second, or third in this division. That's the level of potential. If they get on the same page, everything clicks, the defense gets in there and, does, and contributes, and Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, they could win this division in a walk. Or... They could be struggling for third. It's it's really hard to gauge where I'm supposed to think this team is supposed to go. No, I think that's fair. So my picks. In first place, I have the Bears. In second place, the Packers. Third place, the Vikings. And fourth place, Detroit Lions. I'm going to do the homer pick. I'm going to take the Packers to win the division. I'm hoping that the honeymoon period will last long. Basically, I'm relying on Rodgers' health. I'm going to assume that Aaron Rodgers will be healthy for the full season. That's an assumption. Big assumption. If I assume this to be the case, I'm hoping that the honeymoon period will last long enough that they'll win the division. If they win the division and get to the playoffs, all bets are off. We'll reevaluate at the end of the regular season. That's going to be really key. With that said, I'm going to pick the Vikings to be second, the Bears to regress to third place, and the Ottawa Rough Riders to be fourth, and the Detroit Lions will be fifth in a four-team division. And they'll be relegated to the CFL. Okay, so... 
Given that, and as I did last week, here are my playoff picks. You have your four division winners, and I'm going to give them an order. So I think the Rams are going to be the number one seed. The Falcons are going to be number the two seed. The Eagles will be the number three seed, and the Bears will be number four seed. And then in my wildcard spot, I have the Saints as the fifth team and the Dallas Cowboys as the final wildcard team. You're a brave man. Much like the AFC, I'm not doing that part. You've got my division winners. That's what I'm rolling with. Well, when we get closer, I'll try to figure out where I think the playoff seedings are going to go because I'm not playing that game with this conference. It's the same way as I'm not playing it with the with the AFC. Well, but please, let's let's give the way too early Super Bowl pick though. Well, I didn't did I did I not already pick one of the random Ottawa teams to win the Super Bowl? I thought I made that perfectly clear last week. Well, I thought that was only in conjunction with the AFC West preview. All right, fine. So let me make I'll make a real super way too early based on nothing Super Bowl pick, but I'm also going to make a way too early based on nothing Great Cup pick based on what I said earlier. So since they're going to be relegated to the CFL, I like the Detroit Lions to win the Great Cup this year, and uh, Matthew Stafford to win MVP. I think that'll be the first hardware as he as he works to become the reverse Warren Moon and go from the NFL to the CFL. But he took the whole team with him, so it's all good. Detroit Lions, 2019 Grey Cup champions. Book it. The- and your Super Bowl champion? I, 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 was, I was thinking about it. Okay, I'll give you a moment to ponder that. Yeah, go So ahead. I'm going to go, I hate doing it, and it's, a stu- and it's one of those, like, it's an easy pick. But until somebody can prove me wrong, I'm going to pick the Patriots. And I hate that, but I'm, that's what I'm writing down. Remind me. Um... Do you have last week's picks with you? I do. Can you remind me where I had the Chiefs? I know I said regression, but where did I have them? Sorry, I'm just looking it up. You had, where are you? You had the Chiefs as the second team in the AFC West. You had the Chargers winning the division. I'll go with the Chiefs, but I'm, but they're going to be a wild card team if that comes to pla- if that comes to pass. I'm going to have the Chiefs as a wild card team in the AFC, and if that comes to pass, I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes hoisting the Lombardi Trophy with Andy Reid going, what the hell happened? What is this? I've never been here. What What are we doing here right now? Which, okay. would be, which would be a great meme, just that look on his face. It's like, I don't know what this is. This has never happened before. And there you have it. Yes. That is our much better than last week NFC preview. Really, it was a low bar we were aiming for. That's true. <laughs> it was a very low bar. Our indifference with the AFC was was palpable last week. But yes. I think that's where we think the NFC goes. I do actually have something I'm looking forward to this week, but why don't you go first? Go ahead. Okay. I have two things for you. Could have had three, but based on when this is probably going to air, I'll give you two. Uh, first of all, the Labor Day Classic, Hamilton versus Toronto Argos. Uh, in a sold-out Tim Hortons field, props to the Ticats and the Hamilton community for selling out the game. Also, you have the Calgary-Edmonton and the later uh, game. Right in Calgary, which is they think will be a near sellout, which is good. And then you have Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, which is on Sunday. So by the time this airs, that game will probably be over. But it's also a sellout in Saskatchewan. So good on them for the CFL for doing for having two sellouts out of three. But basically, the only one I'm really, really looking forward to is the Ticats one. And then obviously on Thursday, you have the NFL season opener, which are doing something a little bit different. I mean, they are starting on a Thursday, which they've been doing the last few years. But instead of the Super Bowl champion, opening the season at home they have the Packers playing the Bears yeah I think that's and, a, I think that's a decision by the I'd be surprised if the networks didn't have a little bit of sway in that because with a revamped quote-unquote coaching quarterback tandem in, in Green Bay and Chicago being a legitimately good team last year they're probably thinking all right we'll get the rivalry game on there 
People will be curious to see what Aaron Rodgers will look like in a Matt LaFleur offense. You know, there's some curiosity factor there for the opening game of the season. There'll be some eyeballs on that. Yeah, but it's also it's because it's the NFL 100 season. Yeah. And these are two stories. They want that traditional rivalry. So that is uh, 820 on Thursday night in Chicago. Yeah, those are two historic teams, no doubt, with lots of history to draw from, as from the NFL's history as well, for sure. As far as that's concerned, that is one of my two that I'm looking forward to, for sure. I Packer night football to start on a Thursday, week one, finally, regular season NFL football, it's happening, I'm in, let's do this. And second thing I'm looking forward to is some college football. I've been watching a little bit of it this weekend, and now we're into the college season, it's kind of fun. We haven't seen the big matchups yet, but I, they're going to be forthcoming. But it is kind of fun. On a Saturday, it is kind of fun to get up. I'm not a big person for getting up early on the weekend, but for college football, it is kind of fun to get up on on Saturday and to watch a little bit of the pregame and watch some of the games. I don't have a necessarily a stake other than my uh, you know customary Arizona State University watch, but they're not really on any of the games, like realistically, most of the time. But it is fun watching a lot of these teams and watching a lot of these players and watching very enthusiastic student crowds. Because if nothing else, the student crowds are enthusiastic. And that is kind of fun. This is true. And it is kind of fun to watch. So you're going to have that for sure. So I would say those two things. So really football-centric, what we're looking forward to this week. Good stuff, man. I look forward to how wrong we are with our NFL previews. Barring Ottawa be having a fielding a team to win the Super Bowl, I look forward to both Ottawa winning the Super Bowl and the Detroit Lions winning the Great Cup. It is as the prophecy foretold. I just, all I'm doing, I can just sit here and nod because yes. And it's the best for it's the best for everyone. That's it for us this week. We appreciate it as always. I will do the shameless plugs to get that in here at the end. We've got our Instagram at unnecessary podcast altogether. Twitter unnecessary underscore pod. I've been a little tardy in updating the Twitter feed, but the Instagram feed usually gets updated fairly well. But our site is also unnecessarypod.podbean.com. You can check out this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. That includes iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, and a whole bunch of other platforms that I can't remember right now. So you can definitely check us out on any of those. As always, we do take feedback. If you could leave a comment somewhere, that would be appreciated. We're also on YouTube. If you search Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, you will find our channel. And on the channel, you will see archived versions of all our podcasts with cartoon static images of our faces. Do you not want to see cartoon static images of our faces? Who doesn't? Of course. And if you do watch that, hit the like button. Put a comment in there. That's a good way of giving some feedback to the show. We always appreciate that. With all that said, for myself and Dave, we thank you for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Analysis Podcast, episode 30. woo